Welcome to episode 26 of the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hoppy, parent educator and counselor, mom of two, and lover of all things related to parenting. Today's topic is all about trust. But before we get into it, I wanted to share Anti-Reactive Parenting's latest news with you all. Anti-Reactive has launched a subscription service. We have been working on some premium content to share with our listeners, including an exclusive podcast series by Life Fatherhood called Daddy Date, where you can listen in on healthy values-based conversations between a dad and his daughter, a monthly newsletter, shout outs in future episodes, and more. You can find the link to our premium content in the show notes, and we are excited to see you over on our subscription page. All right, so today we are talking about trust and the level of trust you have with your kids. Take a moment to think right now about how much you trust your kids. Is the level of trust high, low, or somewhere in the middle? How confident are you that when faced with a hard choice, they will do the right thing? There's not a right or wrong answer here. Actually, the only right answer here is an honest one. Okay, now that you've thought about that, how satisfied are you with the level of trust between you and your child? Trust in the parent and child relationship is something that needs to be continually nurtured and reinforced. Trust can be established, but it also has to be maintained, especially as your child grows and experiences more freedom and more ownership over their life and their choices. With every new responsibility or new experience, Ideally, we as parents watch over them and evaluate how well our child handled them, and we can then determine whether or not it was a good idea or if it was something we need to wait a little longer on before attempting again. One of the defining principles of anti-reactive parenting is that as parents, we are raising our children to be future adults. I talk about this idea in episode two of the podcast, so feel free to go back and listen But one of the implications of this principle is that it's important to give children opportunities to take on responsibilities and roles that prepare them for adulthood, which is when they should be 100% fully responsible for themselves. As I raise my own future adults, I'm regularly looking for opportunities to allow my children to take on new responsibilities or participate in day-to-day life in new ways. And as I select these new opportunities in an intentional, anti-reactive way, I can also keep a watchful eye on how things go and determine the level of trust that accompanies the choices my child makes. But allowing these opportunities requires a bit of a leap of faith, which is why it's so important to keep that watchful eye. Let me give you an example. Their whole lives, I've taken my kids to the grocery store with me. Is it easier if I don't, or if I just have them delivered to my house? Sure, absolutely. But the grocery store is a great place to learn all kinds of things across all of childhood, so it's important to me that I include my kids in the experience. This is when they are exposed to new types of foods, which help develop curiosity around healthy food choices. It's a rich environment for learning new vocabulary and basic math concepts, and As they've grown, we're now talking about nutrition and how to read food labels and 
determine what's a good price for different products and how to decide which version of a product to pick off the shelf. There's just so much learning that can go on in the grocery store. But one of the most important lessons of all are the safety lessons we've worked on, particularly when entering and exiting the car and walking through a parking lot and staying safe while I load up the car and I can't keep my hands on my kids. A major rite of passage in our family has been when I've asked a child to walk the grocery cart back to the cart corral and walk back all by themselves for the first time. My two major personal criteria for this new responsibility are, one, being tall enough to be seen by drivers in the parking lot and successfully be able to drive a shopping cart by themselves, and two, demonstrate they know how to listen when I'm giving them safety directions, especially in the parking lot, and understand that safety should be taken seriously. Once the time has been right and the cart has been emptied, I have asked the child, would you like to walk the cart over? Around the age of the older side of six, I would say. And it is a total thrill for them. And neither one of my children let me down when it was their moment to do this for the first time. I stood at the trunk of the car and watched them and the aisles of the parking lot like a hawk the entire time. But even without me having to say anything, they both knew to stop and look both ways several times before crossing the aisle of the parking lot or walking behind a car. And on the outside, I exuded total coolness to let them know I was fine and not worried at all about what was going on. And I was passing the responsibility totally over to them, even though here's a secret. I really was pretty nervous myself because they showed me that they were taking on this new responsibility and they were showing me they were taking it seriously. So was it important to me that I showed them that I was totally cool with this? And sure enough, in the case of both of my kids, these moments built up a whole new level of trust, which is really awesome. I trusted them to use good judgment to be safe and responsible And they learned they could rise to the responsibility challenge, make good choices, and grow in their confidence in the march toward adulthood and personal responsibility. So how do we even establish or build trust to begin with? If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you know the answer. It's built through consistent use of a values system. Trust takes work but it begins with getting everyone on the same page. My husband and I are intentional every single day about teaching and reinforcing our value system. We teach personal responsibility for actions, keeping your word, and owning up to your mistakes. And we aren't hypocrites about this either. We hold ourselves to the same standards we hold our children to, And our conversations in front of our kids reflect these same values, and we teach these values through our own actions. And we even highlight them, especially when upholding our personal values wasn't the easier path. Our values are woven in throughout our whole day. My husband and I are dedicated to our values, so we're consistent in implementing them. Because of this consistency, I don't doubt that my kids know what's important to us as a family or what our expectations are of them, 
even as they grow older, because the values can be applied no matter the age or stage of development. Because our values are so ingrained into our lifestyle, and I'm confident my kids know our values, I trust that they will fall back on those values when faced with a hard choice. My kids have shown me time and time again that they use those values to decide what the right things to do are and to avoid situations and behaviors that lie outside of our family's value system. Do they mess up from time to time? Of course they do, and I expect them to. They need to make mistakes and even blatantly choose to do the wrong thing to reinforce and better understand the why behind our family's value system. And because of the values my husband and I teach our kids, they come to us when they do the wrong thing. They know that they will consistently be met with love and forgiveness, even when we're upset about what's happened. And most of all, they will be met with help in teaching and wisdom to work through their mess-ups and the consequences of those mess-ups, and in the end, become better versions of themselves than they were before. They trust me to help them when they mess up, and they trust me to help them learn and grow through the messy situations. It goes both ways, and through those messy situations, their understanding of our value system gets refined and reinforced, and they trust that my husband and I know what's best for them. And our goals as parents are not to shackle them with rules, but rather provide them with the right balance of freedom and responsibility that is within their capabilities to help them learn and grow as they move towards adulthood. I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm the youngest of my parents' two children. As the youngest child... I was a careful observer of what went on as my older brother blazed the trail through a childhood. I watched as he advanced through grades in elementary school and middle school and entered through the unfamiliar territory of the teen years in high school where parents and kids are equally disoriented and trying to figure it all out. And this was when I paid especially close attention, even more so when he was learning to drive. He got his driver's license and took the biggest leap towards independent adulthood. The state my brother and I got our licenses in had a law about not having any passengers in the car for a certain number of days after getting your license for the first time, with the idea being that a brand new driver should be focusing on getting comfortable driving on the road safely, all on their own, without your teenage hooligan friends distracting you and creating potentially dangerous situations for a brand new driver with an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. Cool, okay? Many teenagers understood this law, and we were all bound by the same law as new drivers, so whatever, no passengers for the first couple months. However, when my brother got his license, my parents also came up with a rule of their own about those first few weeks as a newly licensed driver. And this rule was no listening to the radio or music or anything. Silence in the car. The goal was to minimize as many distractions as possible and keep everyone safe. My parents were clear about this rule when my brother was first learning to drive, long before it was even time to think about taking the driving test. So there were no surprises. Again, as the younger sibling, I clocked all this as expectations were laid out 
and my parents navigated what I have to imagine is one of the scariest parts of parenting, which is teaching your kid to drive. And fortunately for me, I was raised in a house with strong, consistent values. And when it came my turn to learn to drive, I was clear on the expectations and what they were going to be. I wasn't wondering if the rules were going to be different for me than they were for my brother. I didn't even bother to ask if maybe I could be an exception to the rule. I knew better than that. I told my friends what the rule was going to be for me when I was driving, and it wasn't even a big deal. So the monumental day came. I got my license, got out on the road for the first time on my own, and guess what I did? I didn't turn on the radio or put in a CD or anything. No music, no distractions. And I thought it was great. I was glad I wasn't even, it wasn't even something I had to consider and learn that it might be a problem as a new driver. I felt more confident that when the rule was up, after however many days had passed, I don't even remember what it was, but I was confident that I would be ready for the added element of music as a distraction in the car. And here's the best part of the story though. So my mom was chatting with some other moms of my classmates and they were all bonding or lamenting or something along those lines and sharing in their common worries and woes about their new drivers. My mom told another mom about the no radio rule to which the other mom retorted, well, you know she's not actually following your rules, right? She's probably listening to the radio. I mean, how would you know? And my mother, point blank, told her, actually, I do know. I know she's not listening to the radio, and I'm not worried about it. Guess which mom was right? Yep, my mom. I followed the rules because of the mutual trust between myself and my parents. I understood their rule and the why behind it. They trusted me to adhere to the values they taught me, and all was fine in the world. My parents never had to outwardly wonder or worry about what I was doing or not doing based on trust and on truth. I mean, I'm sure they still worried, but lying or breaking rules wasn't an issue. Now, admittedly, I am not a natural boundary tester, but plenty of kids are, and these are the ones that need the consistency more than anyone. They need to know that no matter how many times they run into the fence that denotes the boundaries based on your values, that that fence is not coming down and the rules and the expectations are not going to change. And they need to show you they are trust that they are worthy of your trust by being responsible with the new opportunities for increased freedoms as they grow up and continue to keep coming to you when they make mistakes in order to learn and better themselves. Like I said, trust needs to be continually nurtured and reinforced. And living by a defined set of values within your household gets everyone on the same page and talking the same language and enhances trust both directions on the two-way street between parents and kids. It takes work, but it will make a huge difference on your quest to raise your future adult. All right, that's it for today's episode, my listeners, and I want to thank you for tuning in. 
If you continue to enjoy these episodes, we invite you to help this podcast grow by leaving a quick five-star rating. And if you're feeling extra, a positive review. These ratings and reviews are much appreciated and help others to find this podcast and their mission to become better parents. Don't forget to follow our podcast and add it to your library so you don't miss an episode. All right, until next time, parent intentionally, plan for what's to come, and be anti-reactive.